Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. This is part two of a podcast we started a couple weeks ago and Kim has three experts with her. So there's four ladies here that are experts in their own individual fields. But boy, I'll tell you what, the conversation last time was fantastic. Kim, thank you so much for bringing them back. Uh, Do you want to do a quick intro to each one of them? Yeah, I am so excited to continue this conversation with our wonderful ladies. We've got Kate Noble back with us. We've got Catherine Mortimer and Melanie Stansbury. I'm not going to go into their bios again. I'm hoping every one of our listeners has listened to podcast one. If not, you really need to Mm -hmm. go back and listen to that because (laughs) it was an amazing start to this conversation. And I'm happy that they're all here with us again. Welcome back with me, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Our our first part of this conversation was absolutely amazing. And I'm excited to continue it with you and have Eric moderate. Uh, I think we're going to kind of stick to a couple of major topics. Hopefully we won't go too far down the rabbit hole on these big topics, but if we do, we do, and we'll we'll just kind of see what happens. So, so last time we talked a lot about resiliency, about sustainability uh, after COVID nineteen, uh, where we think things are going. It was it was intense. Uh, we had a couple of light moments, but we'll just see where we go today. And and I think we're going to focus a lot on the economy, where things are going, the political picture what we think is going to happen going forward. We'll kind of stay away from the election, but let's just talk about what's going <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. A, I don't know. <laughs> Eric's laughing. Wouldn't but. it be nice? It wouldn't be nice if we could just stay away from the election stuff. But that is, you know, it's heavy on everybody's mind. And we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But for those of you that are joining us for the first time, you're listening to the part two first. That's okay. You can listen to this one and go back if you'd like. Uh, yeah. But on the first one, we talked about the education system a little bit, the broader scope of sustainability. And uh, it it was fantastic. So the theme of both these podcasts really is life after COVID-19 from a sustainability perspective. And for today, for part two, let's start on the financial picture. So on a big financial level, how do we see the economy moving forward with large scale closings of small businesses, huge unemployment numbers, which we touched on last time a little bit as well. Uh, uh, Definitely the drop in the market is added into that and increased consumer debt. Uh, what are the average middle class and the poor going to do to move forward in what might be a very crippled economy? And Kim, I'm going to direct it to you. Yes, this has been a very, very interesting time for for me as a financial advisor, not just about sustainability issues, but around working with my clients and looking at just the folks around us in our local community and in the broader perspective of the United States and and even the world. So we look at the huge numbers of unemployed people. 
not just traditional workers, but in the gig economy in mm. self-employed folks and how they're handling the current situation. Unemployment numbers are extremely high and it's, it's difficult. There's, there just are no jobs mm. and we don't know when those will come back. Number of companies are simply just closing. They will not come back. We've seen major companies simply say, we will not be reopening. Soup Plantation, for example, they're just not going to open. They're going to shut their business down. Mm. It's not a business model that we will probably ever see come back. Who's going to go to a buffet restaurant going forward? It just doesn't seem safe. Um, Nordstrom's is closing major stores. And, and we talked about retail, uh, where that's going to be going moving forward. And it's going to be a big hit on retail. Walk-in stores are, are going to be a difficult place and a, a difficult sector to, to see moving forward and what's going to happen with that. It's, it's going to be devastated, I think. It, and, and, it, and as was mentioned in the first podcast, it was already hard hit. So it's, it's going to continue to be very hard hit. Places that we will see continue to move forward are um, technology. Those are, are places that will move forward. So if you're you're not trained for that, you're you're going to be very hard hit, and it's going to be very difficult to find find a position. Other areas of the economy or or jobs that we will need for for folks are are going to be technical positions. So mechanics, plumbers, those places will will continue to need employment. So, so that will be a, a great place to, to find work. Restaurants are also going to be a difficult place to continue in terms of looking for, for workers. I think it's going to be a while before we have regular sit down restaurant type positions. So that's difficult. Again, our, our poor sectors of the, uh, of, of workers are going to be hardest hit. They already are hardest hit. So, so that's difficult. The markets, the markets are going to continue to be difficult moving forward. Mm -hmm. We already were moving into a situation where we were expecting to see down markets after 10 years of relatively strong, positive markets for most of that time, we expected to see some type of market negativity. So here we are with a pandemic, mm -hmm. moving the market into a negative place. So, and it's an election year. So volatility is high during election years normally. So it's, it's going to continue to be very volatile moving forward. So it's a difficult time to invest. On a positive note, we have found that sustainable investments have been slightly stronger than what we would call traditional investments. So we're very happy about that. And, and that's been helpful and hopeful for our clients. So we're, we're really happy about that. Again, we also have seen increased consumer debt. So we see that on the part of people who are unemployed. They don't know what to do. Uh, it's taken a long time for many folks to get their unemployment. So they're putting things on credit cards. This is not going to help. It's not going to help at all. Yeah. So the long-term perspective, I think, for, for many people who are unemployed is increased debt, having a difficult time to, to you know, paying that off. A number of folks who are putting off their mortgage payments, who are getting these 
what they think are not having to pay their mortgage, they're really just being deferred. So in 90 days, many of these mortgage companies, Wells Fargo, for example, they're going to expect that 90-day payment at the end of that 90-day period. And then they either are going to have to work with the mortgage companies to refinance their loan or do something different or come up with 90 days worth of payments. So it's it's a difficult situation people are putting themselves in. It's it's a very difficult time uh, financially and there's a, a much bigger bigger problem I think we're looking at. And, and I know everyone wants to jump in on this, so I'm gonna let everyone else throw their two cents in so we can all have a chance to, to comment, but it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I think we're in a situation where we haven't seen an economy quite like this and no one has a crystal ball. We don't know where the markets are gonna go. We do know that people are in difficult economic situations, ones that they haven't seen in a very long time. And it's going to be up to all of us to help everyone else out, contribute to our food banks for people who are suffering. And in terms of investing, frankly, if you can, this is that time when we say buy low. and. Mm -hmm you know, in terms of, of putting money in, it's the time for that. However, if you can't, it's not the time to do that. Anyway, who yeah. else wants to chime in on this one? I certainly want to chime in. This is Kate. And, you know, I, I, I think um, it is truly unprecedented economic times. I spent the better part of a decade as a business and economic reporter and saw at least um, two or three pretty significant downturns during my time covering that for BBC World. And this is unlike anything else. And, you know, I think, Kim, you covered a lot of it in that we are seeing an accelerated shift probably away from bricks and mortar retail. And that has some impacts on climate and climate change, you know, how we can figure out how supply chains can work efficiently um, and we don't just depend on a bunch of fossil fuels to mail order everything. How uh, we restructure jobs because we are seeing, um, and again, it's sort of an acceleration of, of some trends that were in place anyway, from the bricks and mortar retail towards technology and technological jobs. Uh, there's going to be more of that. I think we really need to look at, you know, the public health. Um, you touched upon some of the other jobs like mechanics. I personally hope we move more into a repair economy rather than just consumption and throw everything away. And we've seen a bunch of that happening anecdotally already um, with maker spaces really stepping up and, and helping people fix things. You know, we can throw 3D print parts in ways that we couldn't before. And, you know, I, I guess I'm feeling like I may be a little bit of Pollyanna on some of these, these things. And I don't want to gloss over the fact that there will be very real um, pain and economic pain as our economy restructures. But I hope that we can embrace the good things, the repairing things, the um, you know, training people to be health workers or other essential things that we're going to need more of. Um, certainly, you know, contact 
tracing is an area of employment that's already there. And I hope that we can come out of this with a few smart policies and um, supports from our systems because there's no way, and we all should be giving to food banks and that sort of thing, but it will not replace what should be, in my view, is a robust social safety net. So I hope, and, and this is sort of veering into the political, but that we, you know, really enter a time where we understand what a robust social safety net looks like, how we take care of those in our society who needs it, that is, after all, the mark of civilization, and how we do things that train for innovation, that make sure that we have robust entrepreneurial training programs, because when there are a lot of people unemployed or underemployed, it, it can be an opportunity to say, you know what? Think about that business. Think about that idea. Think about that dream that you've always had that could change or save the world and go try it. And so we could also look at an accelerated uh, period of innovation coming out of small businesses and entrepreneurs. Something that was touched upon in, in the first half of this podcast, which is, you know, really some profound stuff. But, you know, Melanie talked about that we need to be careful not to have a shift just to the bigger businesses and, and to preserve our small businesses. And I could not agree more. That is so right on because, you know, in the way that we've seen some of these closures, the big businesses have the deep pockets and the political clout to survive it all. But small businesses may not have those tools and those deep pockets. So we need to be really conscious about preserving small businesses. And I would say even more encouraging new ones, because we need to fuel a new wave of innovation that can come out of the inevitable unemployment that's coming, that will be probably at the greatest levels anybody's seen in our lifetime. So again, how we build back better, how we get small businesses there, how we think about worker retraining, and how we look at supply chains and consumption perhaps differently so we don't have a culture that throws things away so much, but we look to maybe more quality and value in the everyday items that we purchase um, and see if we can source locally because that is something that can come out of um, the unintended impacts of COVID is really turning to our local communities more for that local economy support and, you know, just exchange of goods and services within different communities. Yeah, and if I could just add on there, this is Melanie. I, I talked a little bit about in the last podcast about sort of the big historical trends we've seen in our political economy as we've had big um, moments in history like the Depression and the Great Recession where our economy really shifted. And I think it's important, especially for those in the investment community, you know, the, the economy that we inherited and that we're living in at a global scale is really a product of, in many ways, the Great Depression and then the big, huge economic growth that happened after World War II that created this big, what eventually became globalized economy and, and the entire investment portfolio 
portfolio, even if sustainable investment por portfolios is built on that economic model, you know, even when we have sustainable investment, it's often still anchored by investment in these sort of blue chip companies that are, are the more, you know, sort of established large businesses. And I think that we've seen since the 1990s in particular, um, a growing trend globally in our economy of sort of decentralizing and moving towards an economy that's more about um, creativity and solving problems and science and technology and um, kind of what does the next chapter in our, our society look like? And I think, as I was talking about a little bit in our, in our last conversation, while these are dark times and certainly um, you know, there are huge segments of our population right now, which are, are suffering, literally suffering. I think that this as a, as a moment in our history offers the opportunity to really change how we think about where we invest and, and how we support and change our economy now. Um, and, you know, from a perspective of a government official as a state house representative, our state is currently looking at massive budget shortfalls and every state in the United States is looking at that tribes, local governments. And I think it's incumbent upon us to not balance the budgets on the backs of our people, but to invest in them. And that's not just about like charity, like, or just the safety net to make sure that people don't end up in dire straits, but it's about how do we strategically make investments in our people, in the creative ideas that they have to support our communities, whether that's a trade or that's a retail business, or that's something in the idea economy, you know, that's what I see is this moment is we have to take the resources that are available in government and private capital and invest in the ideas that are going to rebuild the future of our country and our people. Thank you. This is Catherine. I'd like to add that the proposal for the Green New Deal, which is modeled after the New Deal, which is what helped get us out of the last big depression, and I guess we can call this the New Depression, since it's at least as large as the last one. But the Green New Deal has a lot in it, which is forward thinking, looking at jobs and skills that are needing or emerging as being needed in, um, you know, to get these uh, actions done that are identified in the Green New Deal. I think the Green New Deal could be reviewed in light of what we've learned from COVID. And there may be some additional areas where we could invest based on what we've learned from that, certainly broadband and making that universal and getting it so that everybody can be connected electronically. All of that takes jobs and you know people to do those things. One logical one, we've talked about the smog and, and not having as many people drive. Well, the only reason why that, <clears throat> that smog is there when we drive is because we've got combustion vehicles. But if we can move to electric vehicles and building electrification as well, that also will reduce the emissions without without having to stay at home as much as we have and, and kind of curb our social interactions to the point where it's affecting us psychologically because we are, in the end, social beings. We are social by nature um, and it feeds our souls and it's important that we figure out how we can get that back in a way that's safe for the future. I really think the Green New Deal is something we need to take a look at and has the potential to help be a guide in terms of how we can get out of this situation that we find ourselves in now. I want to add one 
additional piece and just kind of build a little bit on what Melanie was saying, which is the changing a little bit of the sustainable investment economy. What I'm seeing from many of our mutual fund stock managers and our individual stock managers who we work with regularly, and some of you listeners might even remember our podcast recording that we did with uh, Garvin J. Bush from uh, one of our, our managers. And if you haven't listened to that, you should, because it's a really interesting podcast. But he was talking a lot about the the shift in what they think is the next sustainable economy. And, and that's what the podcast that he did with me was about, the next sustainable economy. And so they're kind of looking at the change in sustainability moving forward after this pandemic that we're well that we're currently in and and what what he thinks is going forward so we're we're seeing those kinds of conversations with our mutual fund managers and our individual stock managers about what they think is important going forward so it's a, kind of an interesting conversation that we see floating around and what what's potentially going to be happening going forward so this the sustainable investment economy is definitely shifting so it'll be fascinating to see what's going to happen moving forward on that that front as well. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Yeah, and I'll just add one data point, which I think really points to that, which is here in New Mexico, our state investment council, which is the entity that manages our portfolio of investments for the state, actually made a huge announcement um, this last month that they were going to invest $100 million of our state investment dollars into economic relief and recovery. And we already had, you know, the legal structure to be able to do that. But I would say there had been kind of a inertia around kind of that kind of investment in the local economy. And so I think that this crisis is causing our financial institutions to really reevaluate risk and seeing that actually investing in our communities is n- not risky. In fact, it's the thing we have to do to stabilize our economy. Absolutely. It's so important. So it's it's a great move forward. I think we have to do a third podcast. Would everyone be in for that? Absolutely. (laughs) Let's let's find some time for a third podcast because we really didn't get to talk about the the politics piece. And that's really important on this issue. There's so many pieces we can talk about that, uh, you know, around that. And and I think we can come up with some, some additional questions. And but what I would like to do is end this what is now the second and a third part series, Mm -hmm. three part series. I want to end this on a positive note. You know, we've all seen some of the best of our society in these times, uh, things that we can really appreciate. And I want to know what each of us has seen or heard in, in these times that has really touched your heart in some ways. So what can you share with our listeners that has really touched you? Who wants to go first? 
I can start. This is Kate. And honestly, the thing that brought me to tears fairly early on um, during the stay at home orders in New Mexico was hearing my son log on to meet his class virtually um, via Google Hangouts for the first time. And they hadn't seen each other in uh, a week or two because there was a gap before things got up and running. And there's nothing quite like a group of third graders greeting each other uh, over, you know, a a computer screen and when they haven't seen each other and it's so uncertain and the joy, the excitement. And then perhaps most importantly, how the teacher got control of the room just by taking attendance, the virtual room, if you will. But it was really an amazing thing to just see the kids adapting and their joy in each other and their immediate evolution to listening to their teacher and um, embracing the new structure. And it was just so hopeful for the future um, to see that. And, And that day, fortunately, on social media, I saw a lot of other parents experiencing the same thing. And it really did bring a lot of us to tears. That's very sweet. This is Catherine. What I found was this kind of fourth stop of the rat race and all of us being put in a position where we have more time. Um, And that naturally leads to reflection, um, our connecting with our fellow inmates, (laughs) as I'll call them. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, having to be super careful um, about how we interact with each other because everyone's feeling a little delicate, nervous about getting sick, what that might mean, and kind of re a return to, to really connecting what's truly important in our lives. That has been a silver lining to this otherwise very gray cloud, which I found very moving. It's wonderful. Melanie? Yeah, I was sitting here listening to you all and reflecting on, you know, it's hard to pinpoint just one thing because it's like every day you hear these extraordinary stories of people who are stepping up to help each other. And I think, you know, when I reflect on everything we've been through the last couple of months, I'm really um, thinking a lot about the food and hunger work um, I've been involved in and, um, we have a food and hunger policy work group that we stood up last year to work on policy issues around sort of the structural inequalities and infrastructure problems around food supply chains and food deserts and our agricultural system. And over the last uh, month and a half, it's really become kind of an emergency network to help troubleshoot and get emergency aid to communities who are struggling with food and water issues. And literally there's a story every single day of people working together and picking up the phone and finding food and finding a way to get it to people on the ground or finding water or finding a way to connect a family with something that they need. And I think, you know, it's hard to just capture one story because there's literally thousands of them that are happening every single day. And I think that when I think about what we take away as a positive note from this tragedy and crisis that we're living through, it's the way in which 
everyone in our society is stepping up right now to provide mutual aid and to create this fabric of reciprocity that is supporting our communities and enabling everyone to get through it. You know, I have I have cry fests almost every single day when I hear these stories. There's so many of them. But I look at like the work, for example, I saw an interview that Deb Holland did um, a couple of days ago with um, my colleague Janine Yazi, who is part of the Navajo Hopi COVID relief efforts. And these folks are out there delivering food and water on the ground to families that can't get access to groceries right now. And there's something just so profound about the shift that we're seeing and the amazing work that's happening and the way in which people are stepping up, whether that's with their hands and their, you know, ideas or their pocketbooks. And um, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I want to mention one thing that is, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's, it's very sweet. You were out hunting down toilet paper for someone and you were posting on Facebook about your hunt. And I don't know how many stores you'd been to. And one of our other political folks, I can't remember who it was. Was it Brian Cologne? Yeah. Yeah. He said, I have toilet paper for you. And you <laughs> literally went and got it from him to give to whoever it was needed it. Yeah. I just think it's hilarious. I mean, I don't get it about the toilet paper, but it's, it is the sign of our times, you know, it was right, it was right at the beginning and all, when all the grocery stores were out of toilet paper and um, literally we've had dozens of constituents reach out who um, at the beginning of this crisis like needed basic help with groceries and stuff. And so a woman had reached out, she had seen a Facebook post um, and she was disabled and wasn't able to leave her house. And so, yeah, I went grocery shopping and I hit up seven stores before I posted to Facebook in frustration and protest and so over the next couple of days, it was hilarious. I probably had 30 people send me messages saying, hey, I've got toilet paper for you. <laughs> That's great. So before I go, Eric, what about you? Well, I'll tell you, this is, uh, I've loved listening to all your stories. The, the one thing that I would say is everybody banding together, right? You, th that story was just about that. Uh, my wife had a huge tote of material that she's had for a very long time. And with some of the people we've worked with in the past, we knew that they wouldn't have the ability to get masks. And so she started sewing and creating masks. And very quickly, she started uh, speaking with somebody who worked in an elder care facility and they needed 15. And they gave her some feedback about the design because rubber bands hurt your ears when you have to wear them all day, which <laughs> makes sense. So she started making straps and I, I gave her a bunch of magnets and washers to use with those straps so they could just throw them on. And people offered to pay over and over and over. And she said, just what we want you to do is donate to a food bank, donate to something that's going to help people in a different way. And about half the people did that. And about half the people gave money, just dropped it off on our door and said, buy more material because we know you're going to continue to do this. And way more than they would ever have paid for any other type of mask, you know, but it was something where everybody came together to solve that issue, solve that problem, and then further it by making sure that she was supplied with whatever we needed. And so we ended up getting more, uh, I had to go to the hardware store just to buy washers <laughs> for the rest of those magnets to get everything to work right. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing to see the spirit uh, of, of each individual come to light. And I just haven't seen the selfishness as much as I've seen the positive stories, which is a change in our media in a lot of ways. So that's probably the biggest thing that I like. Yeah, it's great. So for me, it's if our listeners have, have listened to, to a couple of our earlier podcasts, 
I got pneumonia at the beginning of March, mm-hmm. which was very scary. And thank God I was COVID negative. But for me, all of the friends that we have here really jumped in to help us. And so many people offered to grocery shop for us and bring us the things we needed because neither of us could leave the house. So we've pretty much been on lockdown for the last two months and mostly unable to leave the house except for a very rare circumstances because we're both very high risk now and people have been so generous with their time and helping us with pretty much anything that we need and it's been very touching very touching to have people do whatever they could to help us and and you're right people are so generous and i you know i've cried a number of times about how helpful folks have been and and just to see that generosity going around. And, and even in Oregon, where my parents are, they can't leave. And so I have a, a friend there who has been bringing my parents the things that they need. And they are in assisted living, but they still have to shop for some basic necessities. And so, you know, folks are just jumping in and helping. And it's it's just amazing to see how people jump together. So, again, I want to thank all three of you for joining me on this podcast and again on the third one that we will bring together. So it's been great. It's an amazing conversation. I appreciate all three of you. Thank you for being here. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to the next one. (laughs) It's going to be great. I think it'll be a little more rowdy since we're going to talk politics. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I think we'll get a little bit rowdy. Uh, Yeah. That's (laughs) definitely a rowdy variety subject so yeah all right i'll get the ringside bell that i can ring for the uh for the opening of the podcast (laughs) just in case time's up that's right (laughs) well i I also want to echo what kim said thank you so much for being here and my last shout out and thank you besides to the audience in the moment my last shout out is going to be to all the workers that are keeping our internet going because they make it possible to have these meetings virtually all five of us are in different locations and some of us are completely locked down like kim like you said and and some of us are able to go out a little bit, but thank you to all those workers that are really working hard to make sure the internet is stable and keeps up so the kids can be educated. We can have these podcasts and, and bring this information to our audience. And that brings me to my audience. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And again, we want to thank our sponsors at this time. Yes. And again, we have two wonderful sponsors who are helping us with this podcast, Green Century Capital Management. They are proud to be the home of the first family of fossil fuel-free, responsible, and diversified mutual funds in the U.S. By investing in responsible corporations, Green Century enables individuals to align their investments with their values. Green Century also houses an award-winning shareholder advocacy program that directly presses dozens of companies every year on sustainability practices. Green Century is the only mutual fund company in the U.S. wholly owned by environmental and public health nonprofits, and 100% of the profits earned managed by the Green Century funds belongs to them. Our second sponsor is Calvert Research and Management. Calvert is a global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds encompassing active and passively managed equity, income, and alternative asset management strategies. 
With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, the firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. Thank you very much to our two sponsors, Green Century Capital Management and Calvert Research and Management. We really do appreciate those sponsors. And again, to you, the audience, thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you for part three. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.